0: I'm Dr. Megan Corrado, and welcome to Real Stories, a podcast that features the narratives of trauma survivors, professionals, and community leaders. Real Stories provides a platform for guests with diverse life experiences to voice and honor their unique
1: narratives.
0: So can you tell us a little about who you are? Um.
1: I guess it's a little bit complicated, but I'm a graffiti artist, artist, web designer, uh, event promoter, and I'm I'm currently based in Trenton, New Jersey. But I've lived uh, I was born and raised in California until I was like in um, Mm. maybe my uh, sophomore year of high school, and then I've been in New Jersey since then. But I, I travel around and paint.
0: Okay. It sounds like you have your hands in a lot of different things.
1: Yeah. I try to, uh, you know what they say is like the, and I don't mind is the devil's playground. So I I try to keep, (laughs) you know, I try to keep myself busy, you know, keep me out of trouble and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's just a lot of things, you know, I have a lot of interests and then when I, I do one thing, I kind of, you know, get used to doing it and, and kind of, you know, try to perfect it. And then, you know, just, have fun with it. So then Mm -hmm. one thing leads to another, leads to another, you know, I do some teaching. Um, yeah, just like a lot of different things, you know, and I, Mm -hmm. I try to, the things that I try to do is the things that I enjoy for the most part. If I don't Mm -hmm. like doing things, I I really just won't do them, I guess.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Have you always kind of had your hand in multiple different projects?
1: Yeah, I guess I've always had, like, a hustle mentality, you know? I feel like that's mm-hmm. part of, like, my upbringing, you know? And it's like, when when I came up, you know, um, we weren't, like, really, really poor. I guess we were probably, like, what people would be considered would be, like, lower middle class, like, kind of like... Okay, but, you know, it was like, it was instilled in me at a young age, you know, that hard work and determination that, you know, that you can, you know, you can do things, but you had to <clears throat> work for them. So I mm-hmm. kind of, you know, had that mentality. And, you know, I, I've always kind of had that type of thing. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, one funny story is that, uh, my mom took me to like uh they don't have it out here and I don't think it's even open anymore but it's Cost Plus. It's kind of like a peer Cost Plus is, was like this was in California but it was like kind of like a Pier one imports but like cheaper. Okay. It was like stuff that was from like around the world but it was like uh a little bit cheaper. So my mm. mom bought me um I don't know where we got the idea but bought um you know ornaments and then I went around and sold them to people when I was a kid like around the neighborhood and stuff how old were you I was probably like maybe six or seven years old
0: wow so you were young yeah,
1: so but you know I, I always wanted to have my own money and you know my mom taught me like okay you know you buy this then you take the money then you buy more you know basically how how to run a business you know mm-hmm. but the funny thing was my mom told me like I guess when I got a little bit older, like she came by when I was doing it to the house. And I was telling people like, oh, you know, can you buy these ornaments? Because, you know, we're poor and uh, we don't have money to buy (laughs) uh, Christmas presents. I really want to buy my mom and sister Christmas presents. So, you know, will you buy these ornaments from me? But she was like saying like I was really playing it up and stuff. Definitely. I was selling out of those ornaments and my mom, I think that's why my mom went to check up on me because she was like, damn, he's selling these ornaments like that, you know? But I've always kind of had that, you know, that idea, you know?
0: So tell us about what you do. You already touched on it a little bit. I don't know if there's anything that you like to add.
1: Yeah. yeah, I guess, oh man, I, I guess like, it's weird, you know, the way that I just juggle a lot of things, you know, um, like, you know, right now some of the things I'm doing is I'm I'm teaching on Zoom a little bit. Um, I'm uh right now it's like younger kids. What are you teaching? I usually just art, like basic art okay. classes. What I tried to do with the kids was, you know, I, I I create custom curriculum. So I knew this was like where the kids didn't have a lot of supplies and stuff, and it was. The kids are younger than I usually like to work with. So I was like, okay, they're a little bit younger. So I pretty much did everything that could be done with like markers, pencil, paper, and just like kind of put together like a five-week, one-hour class. And uh, so that was uh, basically through Trent Health, but it was for the the Latino um, Business uh, Association out here. So that and then, you know, I'm organized Uh, right now since uh, in the last month or so, like a lot of different projects have, you know, it was like a lot of stuff got shut down for the the, the pandemic and stuff. But a lot of projects have started to be restarted and stuff. So but it's it's harder now as far as there's a lot of uh, the administration work is a lot more than it was before. But, you know, we're redoing the murals on front. So I'm basically, I'm painting one of them, but I'm curating it. So, yeah. So in Trenton, basically at what we're going to do, it usually coincides with a music festival, but the music festival got canceled. Mm. So on front and broad in Trenton, there's a, basically where this parking garage is no longer in use and it's boarded up on the bottom. So where it's boarded up, The panels are like maybe eight foot by eight foot to eight foot by 16 foot. So there's 12 Mm -hmm. of them. And uh, so this is like the third year, fourth year that we've done it. So I've curated, got different artists, some local, some from all over. And, uh, you know, just scheduled it. So every week we have a different artist, one or two artists painting these Mm -hmm. panels. Uh, I worked with the Trent Downtown Association and they were able to work with the Levitt Amp Festival and some other organizations, I think also the State Arts Council, to provide funding to be able to do that. And then, you know, I work with the city, you know, we're planning some more ground murals. Uh, uh, that's basically one of the things that I've recently picked up in the last year or so is basically doing, painting like intersections or crosswalks, mm. or I'm gonna just try basketball court soon so a lot you know, just trying to figure out, but you know it's 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 uh, like that's why I like to switch up things mm-hmm. like I was like, oh, you know it'd be really cool to do a big painting on the ground that's like twenty thirty feet, but it's real challenging because it's a lot different trying to lay things out on the ground than it is uh you know when you're standing up uh so so it's complicated in that aspect, and then also trying to figure out like what's the best. Sup- type of paint to use for which, because, you know, say if it's on a basketball court, it can't be slippery. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have people running on it where, you know, that never happens on the wall. And, you know, and then like with cars, you know, I've learned, you know, some of the paints just don't hold up because you have heavy, you know, if you have heavy vehicle traffic, you know, there's not a lot you could do about Mm -hmm. it, but, you know, it's just trying to find the best solution what the best types of paints are and, you know, what the best applications are and doing some research Mm -hmm. with that. So that's some of the, the other things that are, and, you know, just like on the day to day, just doing web design. Um, I have a great boss. I work for a small company called Enforce Communications. And basically we just do web design for like small to medium sized businesses. Uh, You know, it's, it, it's really interesting well, you know, I enjoy it working at my job because my boss is like super cool. And then, like, what we do is we try to figure out solutions, you know, for our online solutions. So, you know, say like you have a a cart <clears throat> and a WordPress site, and you want to do an e-commerce thing, but it doesn't work exactly how you want it out of mm-hmm. the box. Then, you know, my boss basically, uh, my you know, can create custom code, you know, we'll be able to create a custom solution to, to help it interface better. And, you know, then I work with the design. I mainly do the, like the front end stuff, the design, the CSS, the HTML, probably doesn't mean nothing to nobody, but.
0: (laughs) Well, it's really interesting because on the one hand you have like this, um, very, uh, artistic and free process where you're doing all these different projects, um, using all different surfaces. And then on the other hand, for your full-time job or your day job, um, I feel like you have multiple full-time jobs though. So. <laughs> um, you're doing something that's kind of more like structured. So that that's an interesting balance. I know.
1: It, and you know, it, it, in some ways it does feel crazy like that to me, you know, uh, mm. like, uh, but you know, it, it. what I like about the best thing that I what like about web design is trying to figure out different solutions within the context of the restraints, you know? So try to Mm. kind of push those restraints a little bit or figure out like, Oh, what's the best solution, you know, that's going to, you know, and a lot of things that one of the things that we've been focused on lately is like, uh, which a lot of people don't even think about at all, which is, and it drives me crazy is, is basically the usability of a site you know everybody's mm. like oh you know let's get a wix site it looks awesome but then it sucks you know what i mean mm. so it's like if you're you know if you're if your pages don't load fast you know then you you automatically are losing traffic from google you know mm. if if your if your site isn't mobile friendly you, you're losing traffic you know so it's just mm-hmm. like ha- and you know just trying to figure out like the user interfaces so that you know, your clients can, you know, navigate through your site better. Um, Because, you know, one of the things that we're noticing is that, like, websites in general, if you look at everything as far as, like, what the big companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter and stuff are doing, it's like they're trying to make uh, uh, everything more user-friendly. Everything is focused Mm -hmm. on the user. So I feel like that's one of the things and the content, you know, so, so that's, you mm-hmm. know, just like we're doing this podcast, you know, like having it so that that content is, is, is clean and valuable and, and user accessible. Those, those are Im, Im, important things, you know, for right, the site. right. because otherwise, if you don't, if you don't have any content, then what's, you know, the site is just like a, a, a business card, you know what I mean?
0: Mm hmm hmm You're forgetting to mention something really big that you do every August, Oh, your big festival. Yeah,
1: actually, this year we have moved the Jersey Fresh Jam, which I'm working on now, uh, to September 12th. Okay. And basically, uh, you know, we pushed it, you know, one of the thing, reasons why I did the Punk Rock Flea Market, I was bending at the Punk Rock Flea Market, some of the different ver- merchandise that I either make or I also work with local designers to make certain designs. But uh i wanted to see how they did it yeah like social distancing wearing masks like we're definitely going to have to have those things in place but just kind of see how people went about it you know what i mean mm-hmm. but it it was great today you know all all the vendors all the people that were at the flea market the the people shopping were were wearing masks everybody was six feet apart you know everything went really smooth you know the Trent punk rock flea market they did a great you know a great thing and you know they have a lot more people than we get at the jersey fresh jam so you know it's interesting like okay they're doing it in this big way you know we're gonna scale it down a little bit but this is what we're gonna do but you know uh yeah i'm excited that we're you know i guess that we're gonna have it or we're gonna you know like just attempting to have it in this climate is interesting but you know, uh, it's our 15th year. So it's like, I was like, if we.
0: For those who are not familiar with Jersey Fresh Jam, can you just give like a really brief overview of what it is?
1: Basically, uh, Jersey Fresh Jam is is just like a celebration of, of classic hip hop. You know, we have DJs and you know, the biggest one that we celebrate is graffiti. So we have Mm -hmm. 50 graffiti artists come from all over and we basically all all are painting, and people can come and check out how we're doing it, see some of the different techniques and styles that are represented. And then we have DJs, we have some live performances, we have some vendors. So it's basically just like a celebration of, of hip hop, you know.
0: And it's really fun too. I think I've gone for the past three years, and seeing how mm-hmm. um, how diverse the artist styles are. Um, seeing all the different um, ways that people are expressing themselves um, through graffiti is really amazing. And it's like so many things happening all at the same time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that that's what I enjoy too, you know, because like, uh, just like, you know, when I see people do things different or push, push the envelope, you know, it makes me want to do that. You know what I mean? And, and I always learn something from, from other artists, you know, I try to, so, you know, even though I've been doing things for a long time, I try to stay open to, you know, new ideas and new techniques and try to, you know, put my own little twist and spin on things, you know, but but really just be like, oh, you know, that,
0: that's mm-hmm.
1: cool, you know, you know, try to do something a little bit, you know, that's still within my wheelhouse, but, you know, mm-hmm. try to push what I do further, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of like, I feel like that's been part of graffiti and, and hip hop. Uh, you know, since the beginning, it, it's just like that, you know, uh, certain uh, friendly competition, you know what I mean? Like, oh, like, Caso's doing this awesome piece. I'm going to do an awesome piece, mm-hmm. you know? I'm going to try to do better than him, you know? And it's just like, and we always, like, we, you know, we're all, mm-hmm. a lot of the graffiti artists and writers that I, I paint with. It's like, we're all friends, but we're always going to try to do better than the next person, you know? Or, or at least, and you know, but, you know, yeah, when when other people you know, bring a high quality to work, it makes me want to do just that much better, you know, and, and I feel like that type of competitiveness, and like healthy competition kind of helps people push themselves to that next level sometimes.
0: Mm. That's a really interesting thought, like, um almost like uh encouraging each other to push the limits or push the boundaries of whatever it is that you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I I enjoy that, you know, and uh, I feel like that's one of the things that I don't like about the culture today is that, you know, people are so, I don't know, it's just like, young people seem like, like, you know, something that that is okay, or decent, and they'll just be like, oh, that's so awesome. And I'm like, that's whack, you know. But when I came up, like, the people that were older than me, the people that schooled me, the people that taught me, they never, barely ever told me that I ever did anything good. But I knew when they did tell me, like you know, maybe Pose might have told me, like, "Oh, that piece is dope," but he might only told me that once in five years. You know what I'm saying? But I knew when he told me that that it was uh, a it was legitimate and that like you know he really felt that way. Like uh like people, I feel like nowadays, just a lot of it's from social media. Like people like are expecting me to just be like, "Oh yeah, that's amazing," you know and but I'm not going to do that unless I'm truly amazed. You know what I'm saying? Like if somebody does something, you know, I I feel like a lot of the, the things that people hype people up about now are just, just so inauthentic to me. You know, like I, I want somebody like I, I, the way that I am is like, I want a, first off, if you're not a graffiti writer or an artist that I respect, I really just basically disregard your opinion, pretty much anything with art for the whole thing. You know, I feel like, If you don't really know what you're talking about, then it's just like, oh, like, uh, I like those colors. I'm like, okay, great. Thank you. You know what I mean? But it's not like, you know, if somebody who taught me how to paint tells me, like, oh, you know, maybe you should do this a little bit different, then, you know, then I'll think about it. You know, I'm not going to necessarily just do it because they tell me because I'm hard headed like that. But at the same time, it's just like, I feel, you know, that I would rather have somebody tell me something that's like genuine even if it hurt my feelings <laughs> because eventually I could fix it you know what I mean but if people are just like oh that's good and then later on they're just like oh that sucked you know what I mean or it was or it's just like it's okay but you know like something that you're doing is okay but people are like oh that's great you know it just blows your head up but then later on you figure out like oh really certain things weren't right you know I'd rather have uh you know I guess kind of a mixture because you know people were quicker to like
0: or just it sounds like also like to tell you the truth.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I feel like I now I, I like I try to uh, it's hard for me because a lot of times I'll just be like, oh, that's whack. But I'll try to <laughs> give people like construct constructive criticism, you know, if they're willing to take it, you know. And I'll try to say, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you know like that 3d is not quite right or you know you need to change certain parts of that color scheme to make it work you know like um it's just like if you study something you know it's just that's what i tell people are like oh i don't understand graffiti and i'm like i can't read the letters and i'm like okay well um i can't understand shakespeare I understand shakespeare i would go to uh you know the playhouse and i would you know study study shakespeare you know i feel like that's that's one of the things like for some reason people just think like with graffiti they should just understand what it is and they should know everything about it just oh it's in it's just because it's in the public space like they should understand it you know or they get met sometimes i feel like people get like oh intimidated because they don't know what it says or something but You know, to me, I feel like if it's art and, you know, it's just like with any type of art, that if you really want to understand it, that you should have to do research. You know, when I came up, I had to, people didn't, I didn't really, you know, I didn't know a lot of writers once I moved out here. So, you know, you have to, like you used to have now, I mean, everything's so much easier now, which is a positive and negative in graffiti. Like, you know, we used to have to go look for graffiti. We used to have to go under bridges or and it sounds risky. Yeah, it definitely was more risky. But but it, it made you, like, you had to have, like, a, you know, you had to have heart. You know, it's like people didn't just do that a lot and try to, you know, if they weren't serious about it. You know, now it's just, like, all over the Internet. So people could just, like, go in their phone and just look at all stuff from all over the world. So it just makes it, in a lot of ways, it makes it easier. But it, it also makes it, you know, in some ways, it, it loses the... I guess it loses the thrill, you know, and it's a little bit different than, you know, like mm. if you, if you, if you see a picture on the internet is different than like, say if you were like walking, you know, you were checking out some spot that you never been to and it was just like, this amazing peak down there or, you know, mm-hmm. with like all this, you know, like some artist that you always liked his work and you, you know, and you were just like, wow, or or you went under some bridge and somebody was painting down there that you always wanted to meet and you were just like, Oh, you know what I mean? But I mean, of course it was more risky and more dangerous, but you know, it was the nineties, you know?
0: So every individual, every community, every system has a story and every story Mm -hmm. includes both adversity and strength. Can you talk to Mm -hmm. us about some of the adversities that you faced?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess, like I said, uh, I guess, you know, like I, I feel like, I didn't grow up like really poor, but I didn't grow up with money either. You know what I mean? So I feel like, like I I came from Mm -hmm. a working class family, you know, everybody worked hard for everything that they got. And, you know, um, yeah. But I feel like, you know, some of the things, you know, like, uh, I guess when I was a teenager, you know, my, or when I was coming up, my, like my stepfather was an asshole. You know what I mean? He was, I really, you know, I, you know, he was abusive, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, at this point, you know, I realized that, you know, he was abused himself, you know, and that, you know, may, you know, it didn't make it, it didn't make it feel any better to me, you know, and I definitely had resentments for, with him for a long time, but, you know, um, you know, he was abusive. I didn't know that he wasn't my father until, um, you know, I was 13 and, uh, When him and my mom separated and divorced, you know, he, my, you know, I, it was, it was like one of those things, you know, like as a kid, I guess you don't think like that to an extent, but like, I'm sure everybody probably knew that wasn't really my dad (laughs) because I don't look like my mom. I don't look like, I didn't look like him. I didn't look like my mom. And then like Mm. my sister looked, you know, had similar characteristics as, as my stepfather but like i i said it before because i was like oh you treat my sister differently you know like when we were fighting or something like that but you know until mm. my mom said like oh that's not your real father you know what i mean i never would have believed it for some reason but then when she did say that then a lot everything made sense too in a weird way so that was like you know one of the things that i feel like <clears throat> you know it spawned a lot of different things you know like I was really angry you know for a long time from that you know and and it definitely you know I can't say that oh it's like oh you know I guess you know I just didn't know how to deal with it at the time you know my my mom you know they mm. sent me out to my grandmothers in San Jose California which in the 90s was a, a rough area where we lived in but you know I mean it was great to me because it was like graffiti writers and gangs and all kinds, you know, but, and of course I, I started getting into trouble out there, mm-hmm. and, you know, started, got brought home a couple of times by the cops. I got caught stealing a couple of times. So it was just like when I was out there, you know, I was, you know, the the positive was, you know, I had my grandfather and my uncles, you know, so I had, I did have some, you know, my grandfather loved me and, you mm-hmm. know, he he always, you know, oh man, I would, He just like always looked out for me, you know. And even when I was, even when I was, uh, you know, even when I I didn't do right, you know, he always tried to instill good stuff in me. You know what I mean? But you know, I mean, my grandfather, you know, everybody in my family had some type of issues. You know what I mean? It's just the way that it was, you know. Um, but you know. I wound up getting out of control, and like I came back to visit my mom one summer, and uh, and you know she we live we were like going back and forth between North Jersey and San Jose, California. My, my stepfather's was from North Jersey, so he originally moved us all out here, and you know we're from California. My mom's family, everybody's from California, so we weren't really that big on New Jersey when we first got out here. But I mean, I'm okay with it now. But um, it's just like, you know, what, what, you know, especially just like we got moved out here, we, you know, we didn't know anybody, you know, but I, I mean, I was used to, we moved around California a lot too. We moved, we were, we were half gypsy or something, but we moved all over. I don't, I don't know why, but we moved all the time. But, um, I guess like, you know, one time my mom was like, oh, you know, like, you're not going to, you know, give my father a heart attack and she was like, "You're not going back to California." I'm like, "What? Are you crazy? I'm what do you mean? I'm not going back to California?" And she just like, "I'm like, I'm going back to California. What do you mean I'm not going to California?" And she's like, "You're not going back." And I was like, "What? You know how you gonna stop me?" And she just took my plane ticket and just ripped it up in front of me. <laughs> and then it was just like, said it like, "Oh shit, I'm not going back to California." <laughs> you know, so just let me know like, oh, you know. But, you know, when when I came out there, you know, it was like totally different from my, what I was used to. You know, I, when I, at that point in California, I lived in an inner city. You know, it was a little, you know, it was sketchy. You know, uh, I was into graffiti, you know, stuff like that, tagging, all that kind of stuff when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15, like that. And, well, you know, when I, some of the kids that I went to, like, junior high, because I had went back and forth, and in grade school, you know, I met back up with them, and of course, you know, in North Jersey, like, I mean, we were in the suburban area, like, little lake towns and stuff, and, uh, you know, none of the kids out there was doing graffiti, or in gangs, or anything like that, so it was a lot different, but, you know, where I found, you know, where I fit in was the people that were smoking weed, and you know, dropping acid and doing different drugs and stuff. So basically from there, you know, I really got caught up in in drugs, you know, and eventually I just started, you know, I guess, you know, it just started out like I was just smoking weed and then it was just like, I was just smoking weed and taking acid and then, you know, little bits of here and there. I, I never really got into like a lot of the, like heroin and cocaine although I I tried them but I didn't you know I mainly was doing like a lot of it was like during the the raves in the club era so but where it was dangerous looking back it was dangerous because we was doing like five different types of drugs a night you know and like just being out all night and you know at that time like I was just so out of control, you know, and I thought I knew where who I was, I thought I, you know, I thought I knew everything, you know what I mean, but, you know, the funny thing is, I wound up not knowing anything, you know, but, and during that time, I, I still, like, I, that's where I, I had that hustling, you know, I was selling weed, selling whatever, and, you know, selling, using, but basically, I was just, like, Selling enough so that I could just get my next high and shit, you know, but uh it was uh one of those things where you know my life was just out of control you know i I was doing whatever you know I went to the Art Institute for six months in philly, I couldn't afford to be out there no more. I had to come back, you know I remember where when things all started you know coming it all it was weird how everything came together at once in a negative way like I remember I got up my house raided and I got arrested and then eventually mm-hmm. somebody that I was selling weed for had bailed me out and then I got arrested on bail and uh mm-hmm. yeah so I got yeah it was like I mean I got arrested in November and I got arrested in February so it was like mm-hmm. four or five months apart but still but I wound up where I was facing some pretty serious jail time. At least it was to me. You know, I never, like, being in jail a long time, being homeless, that's not really part of, of my story, you know what I mean? Although it could be, mm. you know. I realize that we're not all that far as we'd like to think to anything, you know what I'm saying? But, um, like... Yeah, just the the you know it's like in, you know certain things it's like sometimes you I feel like you have to have a rude awakening you know like I thought I had it bad you know I mean in, in your mind when you're when you're using drugs it's just like you see things things were weren't the way that they really were you know I thought I had it bad uh you know whatever whatever all these stupid little things but you know when you go to jail even though I was only in jail for like three weeks you know just being in jail for three weeks let me know like oh you know having a hot shower you know having privacy you know and just you know being safe in your own house having your own bed like all of those things you know i never thought that they could be taken away like that you know what i mean and then i was staying with friends here and there that's when i got uh, arrested on bail i was staying with a friend my mom had kicked me out when we when i got kicked out when well, what when i got the house raided <laughs> when I got arrested in, in November, but, um, you know, there was a, one of the, one of the things that really changed things for me that I remember, I remember, like, when I got arrested the first time, you know, it was bad, I I had got caught up in, like, somebody had snitched on me, and I had got caught, like, selling to somebody, I was set up, and then they raided my house, and, uh, It was just, like, I remember, you know, the important thing was, like, they were bringing me down to the county jail, and I remember, like, the funny thing, too, was that my house was, like, a half block from the police station, and I was selling drugs out of the house. (laughs) Like, how stupid could you be, you know? But I just was was past the point of where I gave a fuck at all, you know? It was just, like, I was just, like, oh, whatever. You know, they're not going to do nothing, you know? And, uh... You know, you just don't think like that sometimes, but you should, you know what I mean? But, um, I remember being in the back of the car and I seen my mom going, taking my sister to school and my sister going to work. And I was just like, oh man, in my, in my mind, I was just like so sad. And it was just like, you know, how do they, how do I, you know, how do I get to that point where I'm just, you know, where they're just going to work, you know, they're just like going about their business, you know what I mean? But, uh, man. So eventually uh, I wound up in the Salvation Army and uh, basically like, I guess a lot of people think about the thrift stores, but a lot of people may or may not know that the Salvation Army is, has a, a large drug rehabilitation program. And at that time it might be different now, but it was like the only program that I could find that you didn't need insurance to go to. And, uh, I later figured out why you didn't need insurance, but <laughs> so I'll tell, I'll tell you why I'll, I'll get to that. So basically, yeah, I'll get to that. So, uh, but yeah, the Salvation Army, you know, it's, it's like, if you don't have, I feel like if you don't have a lot of choices, it's a great place. If you, but you have to be ready to change your life, whatever you do, you know, I feel like that's always been my thing. It's like, you know, but when, when, when I go, when I, when I went to the Salvation Army, you know, I, I wasn't really trying to change my life per se. You know, I still had it in my head that I could still use drugs and I could still sell drugs and I could still, like, it was still in my head like that, but it was like, I had those charges. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll just go down there and, uh, you know, um, I'll get those charges taken away and, you know, whatever. And I'll be back in business. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, but I wound up after a while, you know, they sent a letter to the judge and I wound up getting court stipulated to uh, the Salvation Army. So basically what the judge told me is, like, he made me plead guilty. And then, like, if I wound up getting in trouble again, like, I would just have to go do that, that time that I was facing, which was, like, about six years in prison. So, you know, that was enough motivator to keep me, you know, you know, into the program. And then, you know, eventually, you know, things started changing and stuff. You know, I started, my thoughts became a little bit clearer. And, you know, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I could, you know, stay clean or be clean, you know. But, you know, I never thought, you know, it was so weird, though, because all those times I never thought that the drugs could have anything to do with my problems. You know, my thing was like, oh, I should have ran or I should have, you know, I should have ran left instead of where I went right. And, you know, I should have, you know, sold drugs around the corner instead of out of the house. Or, you know, I should have done this differently. But I never thought about like, oh, you know, maybe you have, maybe the drugs were an issue, you know. But when I got there... So you weren't really looking at the route. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just looking at the stuff that was on top, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I wasn't looking Mm -hmm. at, like, uh, you know, the iceberg. I was looking at the little piece on top, you know. I I wasn't looking under the surface. Mm -hmm. But, you know, eventually, you know, it just, you know, Mm -hmm. I started to, you know, I started going to recovery meetings and stuff, you know, through the Salvation Army. They let us, you know, basically go to outside meetings and stuff. And, uh, you know, I started talking with other people. I started... You know, a lot of the people when I was in the Salvation Army, it was like, it was it was scary at first, and it was a culture shock to me, because you know I was when I got clean, I was 21 years old. You know. Oh, you were young. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't, I, I never drank in a bar, you know, and I still haven't, and I'm grateful for that. But, mm. um, you know, when I when I went there, like everybody was like 40, 50, 60, you know, like. But eventually, oh, wow. you know, I thought about it and I was like, you know, those guys are lucky that they're there and they're trying to start their life over. But I realized that I don't want to be there when I'm 40, 50 or 60 trying to start my life over, you know. And like a lot of people helped me, you know, that I, I definitely, you know, I couldn't have figured out any of this stuff, especially with the drugs and stuff, Uh, you know, throughout my own, you know. And you know what happened why the Salvation Army is free is because uh what do they call it? It's called a work therapy program. So you go to outside meetings and you know they it's a Christian based program. So, you know, you go to the church, everybody goes to church there. If you're Muslim, if you're Buddhist, whatever, you're going to church on Sunday. That's it. You know what I'm saying? But I I did get yeah, it's not like that. But, you know, the the type thing, the first thing they do is take you to the store. You know, they give you a suit, tie, all. you know, you get clothing, food, clothing, and shelter. Everything is covered. You know what I mean? You don't pay for none of that. You know what I mean? But then after a while, like, after, like, you know, you're there a couple of days, you know, it's like you start working. You know, you're working. You're doing whatever, you know, everybody there has a job. You know what I mean? So you're either working in the warehouse You're working in the stores or you're working in the kitchen, but, you know, it's basically you work, you work there, um, you work there for 40 hours a week, you know what I mean? And that's basically, you know, now when I, when I first went over there, you know, everybody's lined up, you know, and you're getting, uh, you know, lined up and I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. We go get our check, you know? And I think like the first thing is they call it gratuity. And, uh, when I lined up and I got that first thing and then I opened it up, I think it was like 10 bucks or something. And I, I was just like, really, it's 10 bucks. 10, <laughs> 10 bucks. Really? but That's why it's gratuity because you're, you know, I realized later, you know, you have to be grateful, you know, but, you know, but then later on, the way that I looked at it is that I was, you know, basically I'm paying for my own, you know, rehabilitation, you know, if. You know, if you try to go to a drug rehab, you know, that's like, what, $40,000, $50,000 mm. a month or something, you know? So, but in reality, you know, I, I definitely got the better end of the stick, you know, because I've been clean for twenty over 20 years, you know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, that changed my whole life, you know? And, you know, they, they, they did have, you know, they did have classes and they had, different groups that you had to go to and stuff but you know it's like one of those eventually i turned to to where i wanted to do it you know what i mean and i and i knew like i had to the same way that i that i tried to go get my drugs like like when i was using drugs i i did drugs by any means necessary you know i went to new york every day and i never had a car or a license wow so that'll just tell you (laughs) and we lived like an hour from new york so it was like that yeah. So it was just like, but that's how I had to go after my recovery. You know, if I had to walk across the city of Trenton to go to a meeting on the other side, I would do it. You know, if I had to take the bus, if I, whatever mm-hmm. I if I had to work 40 hours a week, I would do it, you know, whatever it took, you know? And, you know, but like I said, you know, the the things, if I wasn't clean today, I, I know I couldn't do the things mm-hmm. that I'm doing today, you know? And, you know, it also helped, you know, set up, Help me with my work work ethic and just getting used to 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 working and trying things you know things all, haven't always been easy and they weren't there either you know they they were like slowed me down then they were pushing me out the door and I didn't really have nowhere to go and but I, you know everything has worked out you know I find like you know uh you know I I find out like when I follow the path and I do the next right thing that things just fall in line when I do what I want to do. And I, you know, just don't follow things and don't do what I'm supposed to do. It's just like everything It's nothing ever. It just doesn't work out right. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, because it's come back around, you know, people help me, I've been able to help people in recovery, but I've also been able to help people outside of recovery, you know? And and like I said, if, if I couldn't, I feel like if, if, you know, it's important, that's why, you know, I mean, I, it's weird though now because like, it's, I don't want to say it like that, but it's like, like I wind up doing so much projects that I try not, like I wind up doing so much like community stuff that I try not to do community stuff, but it's just, it's just like that, you know, people just call me up like, you know, like, "Oh, you want to do this project, you know, like with the kids." You know, I wasn't trying to teach kids on Zoom, <laughs> you know, but it was like, "Oh, can you teach the kids on Zoom?" And, you know, people got excited about it, and I was like, oh, "Let me teach the kids on Zoom." You know what I mean? And and you know, it's not like I'm not doing it for free, but at the same time, you know, it's like one of those things where I am helping people and, you know, at you know, I don't really have to do it, you know.
0: It's funny just to think about like the transformation from um, what you were saying before, where um, like people, the the connection that you had with the community was negative, was harmful um, for you and for other people. But then to see see things kind of go full circle to where now you're like, all right, enough of all the, <laughs> that I have a lot of community projects I can't take more. Um, it kind of just shows the transformation. So can you share a few important positive moments or turning points in your story?
1: I guess like, yeah, there's a lot of positive moments, you know, just like I feel like on a daily basis, just life, you know, I feel like just being able to live life and enjoy life, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like some of the things that I guess I'll just hit highlights: Having my work in museums, you know, doing you know, huge murals, hundred foot murals and stuff like the, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to brag, but it's like when I was a kid and I was looking at graffiti and drawing in my black book and I was, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, like, I was like, oh, you know, I want to do that, you know what I mean? And it was like, you know, and then, you know, a lot of people as adults, you know, they never get to do that stuff, you know, because they grow up and, oh, you can't do, you know, like, that was the one thing my mom always said like, Oh, you could do, you know, she always taught me you could do whatever mm-hmm. you want, but you just have to put your mind to it. You know what I mean? So like, that was the one great thing, you know, me and my mom, we might not look alike, but we have very similar personalities and, you know, she's always, uh, you know, supported me through everything. You know what I mean? But I've been able to, you know, support my family. You know, I've been mm-hmm. able You know, there was a time when my mom stayed with me when she was going to school and stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been able to help, you know, just be advised in my family as like, where even though I'm not that old, but like, you know, as a, you know, I can help my family make decisions and stuff like that. You know, I've been able to, you know, even though it's underwater, I bought a house, you know, I've been married for 13 years, you know, it's just like, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of different, you know, just as far as art art goes, you know, uh, you know, it's like, there's always could be more, you know, you could always do more. You could always do bigger, different projects. You know, we always, that's how, you know, graffiti writers are. And I feel like that's just how I am. It was like, I could always like, Oh, I did a hundred foot wall. Oh, let's, you know, if somebody came to me tomorrow and was like, Oh, we got this much money. I want you to do a 200 foot wall. I would be like, yeah, I'd be there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But at the same time, just like the amount, the stuff that I've done, just doing, you know, doing different projects for some celebrities or large corporations or, you know, like I said, just seeing your stuff hanging in a museum or, you know, where people can see it and, you know, just being a part of your community. I feel like the community part is important to me, you know, like we've built, we've built like we've, I feel like not just myself, but like myself, Caso, like like a lot of the artists that were from here, Pro, Mech, like a lot of the graffiti mm-hmm. artists especially, like, and the regular artists too. Like the whole art scene, like we put this city on our back. You know what I mean? And to me, like, you know, Trent has a lot of negativity, but if you ask about the arts in Trent, everybody will tell you we have a strong art scene. You know, it's not really big, you know, like say like a Philly or New York, but it's real close knit where everybody... Mm-hmm knows everybody and everybody you know like in a lot of ways it's like oh well that person does this you know like um you know we we work together in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways and especially when when things happen you know I feel like that's one of the things that I like about this city of Trenton is like you know there's a lot of places like uh you know but I have a lot of support here you know whether it be in art or recovery or you know, the, the the mayor, the council people, like just in general, like I feel like, you know, this is my city, you know what I mean? And like, you know, just what like my wife, her family, you know, a lot of my mom's family and my my side of the family are still out west in California, Arizona. You know, my dad recently passed, but, you know, I feel like um, the city has embraced me as a whole you know and like you know people have helped me you know have you know donated or you know not even just that but just like you know and I've been able to help other people you know when people have asked you know but I feel like that's one of the things in the city like that's different even though it's not like uh where there's like people don't have like a great appreciation for art but in a lot of ways people are are good you know or just like a little something weird you know that's a little bit different like some like you know we've had like you know like an old lady just come out and hold a flashlight for us to finish our wall or people bring you drinks or something you know which you know just people don't do that everywhere you know what i mean but uh i feel like you know the community is 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 an important part you know where everybody works together you know obviously uh, it's hard in a in an area like this because uh, there there could be more opportunity, you know. And I feel like hopefully, you know, it'll come and the people that are here will be able to also take part in the opportunity because I feel like that's what happens a lot in cities like when they gentrify. It's like the people that built up the area or lived here forever, like they wind up getting pushed out and they don't get to you know, they don't get to enjoy that part of, you know, it's like, it's like they were here and they were strong during all the hard times, but when the good times come, then they try to push them out. I'm like, it's crazy. You know what I mean? But that's
0: a whole nother conversation. That is a whole
1: nother conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I feel like, like in this, in like, just in general, you know, like, uh, I try to do what I can, you know, like I said, I'm only one person, you know, but, you know, that's one of the things that, recently that i figured out is like you know i'm not a politician i'm not a lawyer i'm not a doctor i'm an artist you know what i mean so in in a lot of ways like i know how to do some you know mm-hmm. i i feel like in a lot of ways i'm a business person also you know but it's like that's how as an artist i feel like nowadays you mm-hmm. have to be somewhat of a business person or or people would just take advantage of you you know but I, I always try to be like conduct myself in a professional manner because I feel like a lot of times that artists get negative stereotypes of being lazy or unresponsive or whatever. So I always try, you know, but what's weird to me is I have the same type of stuff happen from businesses. And I'm just like, I'm the artist. I'm the one supposed to be flaking out. But, you know, if you, if you don't want to work with me, just email me back. You know, I we found somebody else, or we don't want to work with you. Don't wait, like, don't don't just disappear for five emails or, you know.
0: So as we start wrapping up our conversation, I want to ask, where do you see yourself in the future?
1: One day, a day at a time, just do the best that I can and try to, you know, and try to, like, you know, take the opportunities as they come. And when they go, I try not to take it too hard. You know what I mean? But it's just like... Uh, I try to just build one thing after another, you know what I mean? Like one project, you know, you do good on one project, that person works, tells another project, you know, and just try to stay, uh, you know, as organized as possible and try to figure things out. But like, you know, because when I got, (laughs) when I got clean, like over 20 years ago, if I would have told you the things that have happened in my life, I never would have believed that. You know what I mean? So it's like I feel like it's working for me. So I, I just try to try to keep my options open and just try to try to do the best that I can because, you know, I try to live in the in the moment more. You know, but I do make some type of
0: then you're also kinda of open to what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, because a lot of times with me too, it's like I, I don't like to plan on things to an extent because then you get disappointed. A lot, you know what I mean? Mm. Because things, you know, like I said, things are open. You know, I was, you know, like when the pandemic started, I was two weeks later, I was supposed to be in Toronto, you know what I mean? Doing a workshop. All the workshops got canceled. You know, I was supposed to be in New York, you know, teaching French kids to paint, you know what I mean? All them stuff got canceled, you know. But then now other opportunities are coming up again. So it's just like, you know, you just try to you know try to figure out you know just try to figure it out the best that we can and you know just try to have support around us and you know just appreciate what you have and and like try to uh and try to help where you can you know that's that's about it
0: any favorite or life-changing resources that you want to share with listeners
1: oh man i don't know um I guess like like I said the Salvation Army, you know, there's a um, you know, different recovery programs, you know, I go to 12 step fellowship, you're not really supposed to mention it cuz it's anonymous, you know. It could be, you know, if, what if I mess up and then, you know, it's it's not necessarily because of a recovery program, you know what I mean? Not to say that's going to happen, but it's it's just like that.
0: So thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you sharing. Um, you it's always incredible to hear not only about stories of adversity, but also stories of strength and resilience and creativity. And I just, I really appreciate your vulnerability and your openness and your willingness to talk about all of these
1: things. Hey, I, I appreciate you having me on it. You know, I, I always, you know, I'm always. Sometimes I'm skeptical about sharing my story because you know it always could come back. But at the same time, I feel like for you know, that in a way I have to share it, you know, just because if somebody else is going through that, you know, maybe it could help them in some way. You know what I mean?
0: Thank you for listening to Real Stories. The resources referenced by today's guest speaker will be included in the episode description. For more information about me, Dr. Megan Corrado, and my work with the story's trauma narrative intervention, please visit my website, www.storiesguide.com. Also feel free to follow my story social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember that for every story of trauma and adversity, there's always a story of strength and resilience.